0: White
1: flag. Blaney goes to
0: black. Crosses
1: out flag. That's a Awesome time, man. Awesome time. It's nice to close out a
0: race like that. That was awesome. This is the Team Blaney
1: podcast.
0: Welcome everyone back for an all-new season of the Team Blaney podcast. My name is Adam Rogers and joining me again for a second year in a row as co-host and race strategy analyst, that's your new title, is a longtime friend and fellow Blaney fan, Steve Mez. Steve, I feel like it's been like a long time since we last recorded, but then on the other hand, I also feel like the NASCAR offseason has just like gone by in a flash. I don't know. what, What are you feeling? What are your feelings on that?
1: I've, it's been so long that you grew a beard. That's, all I know. <laughs> that's
0: true. <laughs> it took this long actually to grow the beard. That's Adam, the sad part.
1: <laughs> Adam put his playoff beard together. <laughs> it's already ready for next season. Uh, yeah, this is a. Uh, this has been really weird these last uh, couple months. Just you know, waiting for different things, looking at all the news, and uh, you know all the testing that's been going on, and uh, the teams are seem to be putting things together now, and um, it. Oh, it's time to do something this week is uh, exciting cause they're actually going to be on the track. And even though this is non points and it's an exhibition, um, we get to see the new car in action with other cars next to each other, hitting each other, doing whatever they got to do to, to get to the front. So, uh, yeah, it's been a long off season, even though it's only a month or two and most of these guys will tell you, well, it's not long enough cause they don't, don't really get to go on vac- this year. They didn't really get to go on vacation much. If you follow any of these guys on social media, um, you know, it was test here this week, test there next week, and then make an appearance here and do this uh, piece of, uh, you know, media there. So, um, yeah, it's let's ready to do something.
0: Yeah. I know, like you're, we were just saying, you know, it felt like a short off season, but you're right. For those in the industry that have been scrambling to put together their brand new next gen cars, get out to testing, maybe that's why it did feel short for us, even as fans, just because there was just a constant. News cycle. Every time they went to a new place to do a tire test or a full, you know, full set of teams testing, um, it just kept that news flowing. So you never really felt like there was that much of an off season.
1: You know, Twitter and uh, Facebook and and even Instagram have changed uh, the off season because they can put some constant news in there. And uh, it's something similar to what the NFL does. Uh, The NFL, during their off season, every month they seem to have an event and you go online and there it is, there's the news about it. And this year, uh, more than any uh, with the new car, There was something almost every week, sometimes two or three times a week that you could check out on, on social media. Uh, you know, Bob Pockross was there at at testing and, and they, you know, 10 years ago, they never gave you the times, the lap times or how many laps or anything like that. Testing, you, you just kind of heard about it in a blurb, uh, somewhere in a magazine. Oh yeah. They tested last month and it went well, or didn't go well. And that's all you got. Now, you, you know, somebody spins out and it's on YouTube you know, and they took the car and they took it out of the play out of the track and took it back to the shop and fixed it and brought it back. And, you know, all these things, uh, uh are, are instant news now. And, uh, it, it's really kind of cool to be able to follow all that. So it kind of gets that excitement going toward the season.
0: And now testing doesn't the, you know, the industry folks and media will tell you, you know, does testing doesn't really matter that much when it comes to speeds, but it was nice to see the Penske cars and Ryan specifically, leading the speeding the speed charts you know a couple of times at a couple of the different tracks as as they've gone from uh out there at charlotte and then down to even daytona and uh, phoenix i think uh the penske cars were top of the charts but um maybe again take that with a grain of salt people are trying lots of different things as they go
1: what's nice about it is that ryan has a new crew chief and uh you know dealing with the new crew chief and what he wants out of the driver and 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 the feedback he gets to adjust the car and this is where they you start building that connection um you know he you know took a year or two and and you know it's not always instant um but it's good to start with a with good footing and have extra um testing sessions is really kind of cool because it gives him that extra time to talk with Jonathan about what, what they need to do to adjust the car, to get the car where Ryan likes it, he's comfortable with it and they can get the most speed out of it. So, and it's being a new car. Um, it's really important to, to get that uh, leg up on some of the other teams. So before we jump into uh, the rest of the show, and we're just talking about the
0: off season a little bit, and, you know, we've been chatting a little bit through text and some other forms, but haven't been able to really catch up too much Um so what, do you, what have you been doing to fill the time uh, outside of you know, just keeping up with the Twitter and everything news cycle? Uh, what, have, what have you actually
1: done to fill the time in, in between the end of the season and the beginning of the season? Well, I live in Northeast Ohio, so I've spent the last uh, month or so just shoveling out. <laughs> just keeping the, keeping the driveway clear so you can we, get we the car to work. The one snowfall two weeks ago, we got 16 inches of snow in about a 20, 24 hour period. So that's for this area. That's, that's huge. we usually don't get snows like that very often, but uh, for the most part, that's it. I I do have my new t-shirt thing going on that uh, it's partially your fault. (laughs) Um, But uh, this year uh, with some, some of the social media, maybe we'll give a couple t-shirts away because I'm making some team Blaney podcast t-shirts and uh, um, actually We'll put some pictures of it up on social media uh, when we get a chance uh, on the team Blaney uh, Facebook page and on uh, Twitter and so forth. Um, it's pretty cool. It's uh, some cool stuff. I have got kind of artsy craftsy uh, that I didn't even know I had in me. Um, and it's been kind of fun to do. So on my end of the spectrum, Um, I do have a problem.
0: I am addicted to racing and I just can't help it. Um, Been blessed uh, just like you with the fact that, you know, my wife has really uh, taken a huge interest in the sport as well, kind of at all levels. So um, our off season was really spent still kind of chasing racing around the the state here uh, where we live here in central Florida. So, After NASCAR season wrapped, we were still going to races at our local, one of our local tracks here, Citrus County Speedway. Um, We made a trip over uh, to the first time over to Auburndale Speedway, uh, which is, you know, a couple hours south of us here. We went to, uh, took the day off from work. We went to the NASCAR uh, next-gen test at Daytona, spent the whole uh, day there watching those cars, meeting some drivers, taking some pictures, Um, And then also then just this past week, a couple of days ago here from when we're recording now, uh, we went to the Rolex 24. We went uh, the Sunday uh, day of that Uh, went out there in um, what I would consider. Again, you're in Northeast Ohio right now. I'm from Northeast Ohio, and these were about as close to Northeast Ohio temperatures that we have when we woke up to drive to Daytona, which is just about an hour drive for us. Frost was all over my car. Um, I posted a picture of that on on social media. I think shared it on the team Blaney page. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, by the time it got to the end of you know the checkered flag of the Rolex 24, uh, we had shed off several layers. Uh, shed off my Ryan Blaney gloves that I you know picked up at Menards, and um, it was in the 50s. So um, not much unlike what happens in Ohio sometimes, where I wake up, wake up, and it's freezing, and then by you know time you go to bed, it's in the 50s. So you know we've just really been chasing races around and i don't think we're really going to stop anytime soon because even after you know we watched the clash this weekend there's still some more you know this is really the huge time for the short track racing in florida because there's winter nationals events at pretty much every track and we have about you know six tracks within driving distance of us so it's kind of an exciting time
1: yeah uh I, um, on the uh next gen testing at daytona i you were telling me before that uh, you ran into some people there that uh you kind of, uh, put a, put a little meeting together. Somebody helped you out there and, uh, friend of the pod, Josh Williams ran into at the track there. And then, uh, he put something together for you too, which was really cool.
0: Yeah. I was going to say official unofficial co-host of the <laughs> team Blaney podcast Josh yeah. Williams, who's the spotter for Ryan Blaney, um, was, were able to track each other down during the testing. He came back down from the spotter stand. Um, cause actually that day specifically, Ryan wasn't testing. So they were kind of both there just kind of as uh, spectators, just taking in what Joey Logano was doing and what um, Harrison Burton was doing out on track. And um, uh, so got to meet up with Josh a little bit down there in the, in the infield. That was nice. And he was able to flag Ryan down have a nice little chat there for a little bit, a little team Blaney uh, preseason huddle. And that was really cool to experience. And just, I mean, testing overall was really cool to experience. And, you know, we, we, weren't really sure if we were going to go, you know, was it worth taking a day off work completely worth it? Tons of people, you know, showed up just to watch testing, which I thought was, you know, crazy. It felt like, you know, like almost a, at least in the infield, a crowd that you, you would get like on race day. So um, really, really cool experience and really glad, you know, we got to meet up and chat and hopefully, um who knows i know it's going to be a real busy year they only have one off season this this year in the cup series but maybe we'll have josh on after a, a victory or two this year
1: yeah yeah he's uh you know he's gonna be quite busy because he still has uh his uh truck uh it's true zane, zane smith that he spots for too so anytime we get him uh even if we get him for five ten minutes it's really great what's awesome is he you know he will answer me back on some uh, technical questions before show and uh Always gives me a little bit of insight into what's going on. And uh, I saw today on social media, actually, the hauler left to the, uh, Tuesday, on Tuesday today for uh, for LA too. So uh, Justin's on the way uh, with the hauler and it's just shiny. <laughs> Looks like it's brand new almost. It's so shiny with that chrome. Yeah. Getting, getting prepared for uh, the season. And again, if you had, we had did have
0: Justin on uh, one of Ryan's hauler drivers. If you want to search back in our, our podcast archives, they're really kind of cool insights on what it means to be a hauler driver, which we can tell you is way more than just driving a hauler. You are a full-fledged team member uh, on a cup team when you do that. So um, again, I have said this already before we get too in depth, if this is your first time listening to the team Blaney podcast, you might be wondering who the heck are we? Who is Adam? Who is Steve? And why do we have any credentials uh, to be talking about this? And the first thing to know is we really don't. Uh, We are fans. We're fans just like you. Uh, While you're listening, um, a little bit about myself. I grew up, again, Northeast Ohio, just down the road from Sharon Speedway. And Sharon Speedway actually was my first job as a teenager. And that job lasted from being a teenager into adulthood as I stayed there just under 10 years Working at Sharon Speedway until I uprooted from F- Ohio, moved down to Florida, where I now have been a journalist for the last uh, twelve years. Part of that time, I did cover racing at Daytona, uh, and since then, um, have just transitioned to be more of a fan when it comes to racing. And then it kind of, you know, got me thinking about starting a podcast to get a little bit back into that. And of course, a lot of that um, discussion came with my friend here, Steve Mez.
1: Yeah, it's, it's partially my fault. Um, we actually met, uh, back in Dave when Dave was uh, driving, uh, probably back, a, I I want to say around before the cat car, even before. And, um, it was when they had the quickest lap message board. And then on Wednesday nights, we used to do what would have been, what would now be considered a podcast. But back then we actually live streamed a, a, a version of the, of a podcast, uh, about, uh, Dave and what, what they did each week for, uh, where whoever he was driving for at the time. I think like I said, I think it started with Bill Davis, maybe, maybe even a little earlier. Um, but, um, so that's where I, we actually met. We used to actually do the shows at Sharon Speedway up in yep. one of the booths, booths up there. Um, and, uh, that's kind of how I got started into like doing these kind of things, uh, uh, you know, I work in the automotive industry. Do work for a uh, wholesale parts distributor of GM parts and a, a performance engine company, uh, Pace Performance, um, in in Ohio. Here, one of the one of the bigger um, uh, catalog and online orders of GM performance parts in the country. So, you know, I have a little bit of a, a insight background into into some of that stuff. Um, but. Uh, you know, really the idea of doing this podcast came from us doing that old uh, Quickest Lap uh, live stream with a couple other people. Uh, it was actually uh, Joe Danier's uh, uh, child back then. And uh, I don't even know if those things are archived anymore. That's kind of interesting because we talked about this before. and We believe that we did Ryan's first interview way, way, way back then uh, in those days Um, so yeah, I mean, you know, this kind of came natural and, uh, since we were texting back and forth on race days anyway, the last couple of years, uh, last year, we finally decided, you know, why don't we just, you know, save the content, get together and talk about it each week and hopefully, hopefully share it with a lot of people. And, um, hopefully we gain some knowledge as we go along and hopefully, uh, give you guys something to talk about each week and listen to each week.
0: So I'd said, you know, if this is your first time, you might not know exactly what the format of the podcast is. And I joked a little bit earlier about calling Steve, you know, our race strategy analyst. But really, that's true. He, you know, he got he has a pen and paper uh, on race day. He is listening to Josh Williams. Uh, it will be now instead of Todd Gordon, it'll be Jonathan Hassler and Ryan's communications uh, throughout the entire race, taking notes of the pit strategy and pit stops and, you know, places on track and passes made um, anything notable that's happening during the race. Steve is kind of cataloging that throughout. And then when we come back after the race is over and we do kind of our, you know, our race recap podcast, once we get into the swing of things, uh, we kind of go over all of that and kind of analyze that together um, to just show like how you know we got from point a to point b start to finish in a race and kind of what led to the finish or you know what led to you know a good finish not so good finish an average finish uh last year we were able to talk about three victories which was you know really exciting to do so that's kind of what we do on a week-to-week basis um we're talking about format changes from our last our first season of the podcast which happened last year to this year the only thing i can really say is i you know i I kind of feel like I want to be a little bit more laid back and that's tough for me because again I come from you know the journalism world and you know at one point I was in the radio industry and Uh, sometimes I get a little bit, I don't know, feel a little bit stuffy or something or being, you know, you know, trying to be too professional or, you know, overproduce the thing. And I would just like this to be a little bit more conversational and fun. And I feel like, you know, from the beginning of the season last year, toward the end of the season, we did start to get there, have a little bit more fun with it, be a little bit nervous about putting out, you know, the perfect product or something like that. So I, uh, you know, for news, new year's resolution this year is just to be a little bit more laid back, a little bit more fun, maybe not take ourselves as seriously, Um, and maybe even talk, we talked about talking, you know, a little bit more about the team Blaney NASCAR fantasy live league, uh, you know, putting a little bit more emphasis on that because that was fun. It got really fun towards the end of the year and we had a lot of really cool participants. So, uh, we'll be probably be talking about that a little bit more on our team Blaney social media pages, and then also, uh, here on the podcast. So, um, we can do a, a little bit of a preview here. I think Steve for, uh, you know, this little race called the clash that's coming up this weekend in LA. I don't know. Are you excited about this?
1: Um, yeah, I mean, I'm excited just to see how these cars are going to act or react with each other. But on the other hand, um, this is a boring, this is not going to be what you're going to see at Daytona. This is not going to be what you see someplace like Texas, or even Martinsville, or 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 um, or Bristol with the short tracks. You know, this is going to be so tight, and um, I hope they put a lot of support in the front ends and the rear ends of the cars, because I think they're going to bang into each other a lot. And some of it will be on not on purpose. Maybe at the end of the race, somebody's going to shoehorn somebody just to win the thing. Um, but a lot of it's not going to be on purpose because it's a brand new car. And these guys, some of them have gotten a lot of test time. Some people have not gotten a lot of test time. And, uh, you know, so it'll be real interesting to see how they handle uh, around each other and race with each other or against each other sometimes.
0: Yeah, I think it's one of those things that you really need to keep in mind here that this is supposed to be a fun event. Uh, We think about the clash last year. They took it out of the, uh, you know, the, the full Daytona track. They put it out there on the road course. Ryan Blaney was going to win the thing until they got to the last turn and his friend, Chase Elliott took him out. So uh, Ryan nearly won that clash in that format last year. And it's just supposed to be fun. It's supposed to get people kind of hyped up. Um, I mean, this whole thing right here is just designed to be just like a big show that other media pays attention to. Um, they have, you know, a halftime break with ice cube, the rapper performing, they have a pre-race show with uh track house co-owner uh, Pitbull performing a 45 minute concert before the, the race they're going to have a dj playing in caution periods which i think that dj might get a workout uh the, yeah, this this yeah. coming sunday at the coliseum so it's supposed to be a spectacle don't take this you know super seriously um just try to have fun with it enjoy it it kicks the season off and then you know we can you know really get down to it uh, when leading into the daytona 500 which is the marquee event of the year this is all about attracting new fans in a, in a new market Uh, NASCAR is saying that around 70% of the ticket holders have never been to a NASCAR owned race before. So that's kind of what they're going for. They've, they initially said they spent about a million dollars making this happen. Steve O'Donnell, uh, from NASCAR has kind of come out and said like, well, it's probably a little to a lot more than just a million dollars to make this happen. So, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, why don't we jump into it? I, I have some fast facts. Uh, about the L.A. Coliseum in the race itself, as we go along here, and again, I, t- I mourn Steve that I have a lot of facts. I uh, had a lot of things to go through, so he's probably just going to keep interrupting me as we go just to, to, to keep things flowing here. But uh first fast fact here, the Los Angeles Memorial Coliseum was completed in 1923 and is the home of the USC Trojans football team. And it also has played host to the UCLA Bruins, the L.A. Rams, Chargers and Raiders NFL teams, the L.A. Dodgers temporarily for a period, the Olympics, two Super Bowls. The 1959 World Series among several iconic events over the years. So if you're wondering why NASCAR wants to host a race in the L.A. Coliseum, it's because it is a historic venue that has hosted some historic and iconic events over the years. And this is just
1: going to add to that list. Yeah, Edwin, don't forget the USFL, the L.A. Express. You know. Oh,
0: OK. We can't forget the L.A. Express.
1: <laughs> Steve, Steve
0: young played for them, you know, so they also have a rugby team that plays there now as well, too, which actually that's going to be the first thing that's playing on that field after NASCAR resods the, the surface.
1: That's, I, that's what uh, it's going to be amazing is going to put they put all that asphalt down and now they're going to tear it up and, and have to put a whole new surface down but. So, uh,
0: so speaking of that, let's go into a little bit of detail on just how they built a track inside of the LA Coliseum. First of all, this is a quarter mile racetrack. Um, so if people are wondering how the heck are they going to be able to hold a race here? I can tell you right now, the racetrack that I go to every other weekend down here, uh, that runs, you know, full size, super late models and, uh, you know, you know, modified tour type modifieds and various things is a quarter mile racetrack. It is a little bit wider, I would say, than what is happening here at the LA Coliseum, but hundreds you know, of quarter mile racetracks race operate around the country and host races just fine. Um, so that is something I don't think you really need to worry about. So as far as building the track, starting on New Year's Day, and I remember this from social media right away, they laid down plastic covering over the grass playing field so actually the field that the trojans play on uh, weekly is still under there somewhere it's just under a huge sheets of plastic Um, then they went ahead and they laid some crushed concrete down kind of as a base base layer and smoothed it out and one thing that they mentioned is that you know if you've ever only know this from being a band geek uh, but a football field and steve knows from playing football a lot of football fields are kind of they peak in the middle because of they want water drainage for, you know, when it rains. Mm -hmm. So they did kind of have to try to flatten this place out a little bit when they laid down that first uh, layer of crushed concrete. So they smoothed that out and then they went ahead and they paved a first layer of asphalt on there. And then that way they're able to kind of bring their trucks in, put in all the safer barriers, put in the fencing and everything. And then they came back in one more time and laid down the actual asphalt racing surface, which includes about a 2.5 degrees of banking. So it's not a completely flat track, but it is just slightly banked. Uh, just enough. I was reading some stories about this and why, you know, why didn't they make it the banking even more? They were concerned about eliminating too many seats at the bottom of the lower bowl there. They thought if they banked the racetrack even more then there'd be, you know, a ton of seats where if you're sitting down close, you weren't going to be able to see the racetrack. So if you do see some renderings or if you see photos of the track now, the first several rows are covered up with sponsor tarps, but they were trying to limit that, limit, limit that as much as possible, just so people would get a good view.
1: Yeah. I would say the first couple of rows, just for safety concern, they, they don't know why anybody's sitting that close to the action, but uh, it should. Yeah. It, it should be pretty good uh, viewing from anywhere within the place. Uh, it, it reminds me of, of a smaller Bristol is what it's, what it's going to remind me of, because you're all going to be right up on top of the action. You know, if you're sitting in the top row of the place, you're really not that far from the track.
0: Yeah, a lot of the NASCAR folks have been talking about like how you you'll get this experience of like the you know the fans or the racers are going to feel like the fans are kind of sitting on top of them, uh, which will be really really kind of cool to see. So this isn't a first for NASCAR racing on a track this size, but it is the first time in the modern era. But the series did race on the quarter mile Bowman Gray Stadium in Winston Salem, which a lot of people are familiar with. Uh, there was you know a nice uh, reality show centered on Bowman Gray and the modified drivers that race there that is also a quarter mile racetrack inside of bowman gray stadium um, at that university there much smaller football stadium when it comes to seating capacity but um very similar and then if you can believe it so they raced there from 1958 to 1971 nascar also raced on the 0.2 mile islip new york speedway from 1964 to 68 and then again in 1971 and i believe richard petty went to victory lane in that race so they've raced on a point two mile track as well so wow. they, imagine even smaller than this quarter mile track that they're they're going to now so um again you shouldn't be worried about is this possible because um it is like i said around the country right now they host races on quarter mile tracks with big race cars so um but it will be up to the drivers here and again these are you know the highest level stock car drivers in the world so will like you said will somebody turn somebody probably <laughs> it's probably going to happen a lot of the the contact's going to be incidental just because it is close quarters but i don't foresee this being a demo derby the entire way through so why
1: don't we get into so no, those? Are just no, some facts. I, of, once, once, once they get to oh, I was say once they get near the end, then it'll be <laughs> yeah. Everybody wants to win at that point. You know?
0: Yeah, I would, I would assume you know heat races. See, I'm, see, we're going to go through the the lineup here, but you know with heat yeah. races and various things, um, there might be some times when you do have to push early on. But once they get to the actual feature event uh, with the twenty three cars on the racetrack, I do see the first you know. 50 60 laps being a little bit more tame and then once it gets down to things it might get a little bit more exciting at the coliseum so let's talk a little bit about the race format so all 36 chartered teams have entered this race and that's it so there aren't any open cars or anybody else um, coming to to run in this event just the 36 charter teams the only driver that is locked into the field is kyle larson He is the there's a provisional for the 23rd starting position for the top points finisher from 2021, which currently is Kyle Larson. Now, if Kyle Larson qualifies himself through the heat races, that um, position will be awarded to the next highest points finisher. So Mm -hmm. the only person in L.A., uh, you know, driving a cup car that is locked into the field from the get go
1: is the defending NASCAR Cup Series champion. It's possible. This is just just thinking out loud, but it's possible if you were 20th in points last year that you could end up with that provisional. If the other 19 guys in front of you all qualify anyway, and, and you don't, so it's possible somebody lower in the points will get, somebody will get that provisional, you know, depending on who locks themselves into the race itself. So Saturday,
0: February 5th, this coming Saturday, if you're listening to us live, um, They're going to hold a cup practice these times, so I know they're out on the West Coast, but these are all times in Eastern time. So from 1230 p.m. to 230 p.m., there's going to be a cup practice. You can catch that on FS2. You can listen to the cup practice on MRN. It's going to be divided. The teams will be divided into three groups. Each group's going to get three eight-minute practice sessions. So real quick hit practice sessions there they're going to be you know be able to pull in and out of the coliseum um, they won't be pitting uh, on the inside they will be pitting on the outside of the of the coliseum when it comes to where their haulers and stuff will be but they'll be able to make some quick changes here and there as they go through those practice sessions so again that's saturday just afternoon 12 30 p.m to 2 30 p.m you'll be able to catch those practices on fs2 and listen to them on mrn then later on in the night 8 30 p.m they're going to have a single car cup qualifying on FS1, MRN, Sirius XM, NASCAR radio. Those are the media outlets that you can follow along with this. So single car qualifying, just like they do uh, most places to set the lineups for the heat races that they are going to happen. So these heat races, there's going to be four 25-lap heat races that are going to set the starting field. You can catch those on Sunday. So again, the practice, the qualifying, all of that's happening Saturday afternoon, Saturday night, And then Sunday is when the heat races, the last chance qualifier and the actual clash are going to be run on Sunday, February 6th. So 3 p.m. Eastern time. You can watch the first of the four heat races, 25 laps each. That's going to be on Fox. So, again, follow along here. FS2 for practice, FS1 for qualifying, Fox the rest of the way on Sunday. Fox, Sirius XM and MRN will have the coverage uh, throughout the day on Sunday. So four 25-lap heat races to set the starting field. The lineup for each heat race is going to be set by Saturday's qualifying session. Caution laps in this 25-lap heat race are not going to count. So again, they're saying those are going to start at 3 p.m. Here's where I think they're being you know a little optimistic here. They're saying that at 4.10 p.m. is when the first of the two last chance qualifying races. So I'm not sure they're going to be able to do all three of those heat races in an hour, but maybe. <laughs>
1: If you've, if you've been to a dirt track on a Saturday night <laughs> and mind you, they have to prep the track and, and so on and so forth. But if you've been to any, but any kind of Saturday night racing, it doesn't matter if it's dirt track or asphalt, tell you the truth. Um, the best lay plans of mice and men always get tripped up time-wise and you end up being there usually a little later than you thought you would have been, um, you know, and, but it's interesting though, it's because each heat race is only going to be nine cars on the track so you know you beat and bang a couple people here and there and you might lose one or two of them during the heat race you know and it's only 25 laps but uh the big thing about the heat race is only nine cars on the track at a time um but the top four is where you want to place you've if you place in the top four you're automatically in uh the 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 final itself so um But you're right. Time wise, it's going to be a little bit interesting because I'm sure they have it planned out. I'm sure they want it to be a certain amount of time, Um, but uh, you know they don't. You know, although I'm sure they count. Are they counting caution laps?
0: They are not counting caution Um, laps in the heats. Okay,
1: okay. So this is going to be just like your 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 Saturday night. Then they're not counting the caution laps either. So something happens. It takes you know four or five laps to clean it up. Uh, mind you they do a great job of cleaning these things up but uh on the other hand you know these things are going to take a little longer than what what they think i'm sure
0: so as steve Steve said the top four finishers in each heat which is 16 cars total advanced to the bush light clash now the winner of heat one will start on the pole for the clash the winner of heat two will start second and so on as they go down through there the remaining cars that didn't advance from the heat are going to uh go to the last chance qualifier. So again, those are supposed to start at 4, 10 PM uh, 50 laps each for those. Uh, again, you can watch all of that on Fox. Um, that one is uh so the, I mean, there's a lot, I mean, honestly, I mean, I know it's a short track, but it's going to be a lot of mm-hmm. racing going on just on that Sunday between the four twenty-five lap heats, these two last chance qualifying races that are each of those are going to be 50 laps each. And in those races, the top three from each of the last chance qualifier races, you're going to advance yourself into that 23 car field for the clash.
1: Yeah, now those those qualifiers, I think with the number of cars they have, um, there was qualifiers will be 10 cars a piece will be left in, the, in, the, in each of those. So uh, the remaining 20 cars will be split up into those two last chance qualifiers. And like you said, top three finishers in those ones advance and they'll, you know, they'll be placed 17th, 18th, 19th, 20th, 21st, 22nd, uh, to start the clash. And then the 23rd starter will be that last person with the points provisions, whoever that is.
0: Yeah. So again, right now, like we said, the only person going out there to LA that knows they will be in the 150 lap clash feature is Kyle Larson, who, you know, holds down that highest points position from 2021, but you know, I'm, I'm guessing there's a decent chance unless he, you know, crashes out. There's a good chance he'll qualify his way in through the heat races. So that does, as you said, you could end up being the 20th place car in points and make it in on that points provisional. Um, But we're really going to see where that goes. Here's what's nervous for me, because this is just this will be the first time since Ryan was in the Wood Brothers car when um, they didn't have a charter (laughs) that there's a chance that Ryan doesn't make the feature. Does that make you nervous at
1: all? I don't see that happening, to tell you the truth. I just don't, um, you know, because I mean, where where did he finish in, in points last year? Sixth, seventh. Six. Good point. You know, so yeah, I mean, the other four or five guys in front of him will probably all make it. Uh, you know, it's not that somebody else in front of him won't make it and then he you know, yeah, I don't see I see it's him possible. being one of the, that's all I'm saying. Po- it's possible. Uh, okay.
0: <laughs> you're the you're the power of positivity guy though. And I that's actually right. have that I have that's... that audio down somewhere to keep the play next year <laughs> or this year if we need it, uh, from your your speech last year, which, you know, inspired the team to three victories after that. So
1: uh, and that yeah, did happen right after that, but yeah, they, they, just, um, the top 16 finishers, you know, top four in each of those heats. I had, I see no problem there. I see him doing quite well with it. Um, then again, like you said, anybody can hit anybody, spin anybody, knock somebody out of the way. But, um, I, I think the speed is already there. I think that's another thing, uh, with these, uh, qual- uh, practice sessions they've had, uh, even, uh, the data they got from the Bowman gray, um, session, uh, you know, they're going to be able to be up in the top four or five uh pretty easily all all day. So
0: again, 23 card field for the 150 lap bush light clash at the Coliseum. Caution laps are not going to count uh, in the full in the main race as well. They are going to have a break at lap 75. Kind of like a halftime intermission. I don't, you know, they're at a football stadium. Why not Ice Cube, who is a Southern California, Southern California entertainer, uh, is going to provide a short concert uh, right there at the break? um Like I said, again, it's a big spectacle. They're trying to have some fun. Plus, they, you know, they want to give the the opportunity for the teams to make some adjustments on the cars. They're not going to have pit stops during this. They do have a small area in the infield, um, which is a very small area. Uh, where they have some boxes painted in where the teams will pull into and they'll be able to make some of their adjustments there, but you're not going to see a guy drum drive into the infield go in there change tires drive back out anything like that they might change tires during this break I'm not 100% sure on how that will work but um, 150 150 lap, 75 lap 75 there'll be a break in the middle there and um, i'm guessing after that break that's when things are going to heat up um, there's also a chance there i mean i don't know what do you think at 23 car field how many laps until someone gets lapped
1: well yeah i mean you think about the start where the start start finish line is that there guys are be on the back stretch as the race starts each time so yeah within a within a couple laps cuz i mean if you're at tail end of that line to begin with And you're already a half a lap down. And I don't know, uh, you, you ran it on iRacing. What, what does a lap, how, how long is a lap time-wise? Oh, goodness. I I shouldn't know
0: that better. Um, (laughs) I couldn't remember exactly, but I feel like it was like 13 or 14 seconds or something like that. It wasn't very long. And, you know, just from my, you know, amateur racing experience, when they talk about it being tight and the turns being tight, it is extremely tight, but it was fun just to take the iRacing version of the next gen car and make some laps there.
1: Yeah. So if you're, if you're already two to three tenths slower and you're already a half a lap down, yeah. Within 10, 15 laps, you could see somebody pretty easily getting lapped, which, you know, in a 23 car field, uh, maybe not as much in the heat races, uh, or the last chance races cuz there's not as many cars out there but yeah when you're 23rd and uh that that start uh, start finish line that you know and you're having you're bunched up and you're trying to get going and everything yeah it, somebody's going to get caught somebody's going to get lapped uh pretty pretty quickly
0: i am really looking forward to the heat races i feel like that's where you're going to see some of the best racing because there's going to be a little bit more room to move around you know with the 9 and the nine cars in the heat races the 10 cars in the lcqs um and then, but yeah, when they are kind of in that 23 car field, which is going to feel big on this quarter mile track. Uh, but I, again, I've, as I've said, I've seen, you know, 20, 25 car fields on quarter mile tracks that have been fine. Um, it will get, it will be a little bit bunched up to start. And then traffic is going to be an issue for the leader. Um, Lucky dogs, which I'm assuming they're going to be giving, or, you know, the free pass is going to be important for guys that, you know, just go a lap down. Um, you could probably see some people close to being a lap down that'll get that lap back and end up with pretty decent finishes so all of that's happening the big spectacle there the bushlight clash at the coliseum that's coming up uh this saturday and sunday february 5th and february 6th the big show is happening if you miss everything miss miss all of the qualifying practices and heat races just make sure you're at least tuned in by 6 p.m eastern time uh for the 150 lap main event on fox mrn sirius xm nascar radio um and let's see what ryan can do and we I mentioned briefly, I pulled these stats up, you know, when, normally when we do previews and it's going to be a little bit different this year because, um, you throw all the whose line. Is it anyway, the points don't matter and neither do the the stats from last year. Brand, (laughs) Brand new, brand
1: new car Throw out all the stats,
0: but I did just happen to pull up Ryan's, you know, Ryan was, you know, pretty prolific when it came to short track racing, as he was coming up, you know, winning, you know, late model races and winning, you know, some championships on, you know, short tracks, Um, And on the NASCAR level, at least in the Cup Series, you know, he's won, you know, in the Xfinity Series and Truck Series at Bristol and some places like that. On the Cup Series level, he does have an average finish of 17.1 on short tracks overall. But over, you know, since, you know, the last several races here, dating back to... Uh, the first race at Martinsville in 2020, you know, he's a second place, a sixth place, did finish 19th at Richmond, which at that time wasn't great, but uh, did get a little bit better going on into 2020, 13th at Bristol, second at Martinsville, 11th at Martinsville, 11th at Richmond, 10th at Richmond, which was a huge day. We had a, a, a nice podcast about that. Then fourth at Bristol, 11th at Martinsville. So Ryan, you know, it's either a top five or a top 10. It kind of just stays in that area, which is good. Which I think you're saying, I I was a little bit nervous about this race, just not knowing what's going to happen. But overall, he's a pretty decent, he's not a prolific short track racer, uh, but he's a pretty decent short track
1: racer. I am, you know, this is a whole different bird because of two things, because of the track itself. This is an unknown. Nobody's driven on it before. And uh, two, it's an exhibition. So you're not looking at it like it's a point race and you want to make sure you get maximize your points and get the best finish that you think you can get. Um, What I really want to see is lap 150 uh, going, you know, either into one and two or three and four, that he's right behind the nine car. And (laughs) and then he just, Payback. uh, payback happens, you know. The biggest thing about that happening though is this, and he said it after he got turned last year, If you're going to make that kind of move, you better win the race because
0: he didn't Kyle Bush. That's right. Kyle Bush went on to win the clash last year.
1: Exactly. So Ryan or anybody else, if you see them make that kind of move on somebody, they better win the race. It's not worth it just to, you know, damage somebody else. And it hurts your day too. If you're going to make a shoehorn kind of move and, and, and bump and run, uh, you better win.
0: All right, so that's our little preview there for the Bush Light Clash this weekend. Again, Saturday the 5th, Sunday the 6th at the Los Angeles Memorial Coliseum. I'm sure it'll be a historic event all around. Um, Just to close out the show a little bit here, we do have some, it's not breaking anymore. We're a couple of days removed from that news that does impact the Blaney family and may be very excited because um, I'm not taking credit for this, but I've been pestering um ray Evernham, tony stewart the srx social media accounts for since srx was launched one i was trying to get dave dave blaney to be a driver in srx and again for all i know dave doesn't want to have anything to do with it but you know but as as fans you know we do we would like to see dave you know behind the wheel of one of those superstar racing experience uh cars whether it was for a one-off or the full season so i've been pestering them for uh uh, you know more than a year now earlier this year they put out you know what tracks would you like to see on the schedule this year uh they did what drivers would you like to see so of course you know, on, on the Team Blaney social media accounts, I've been pushing Dave, pushing Ryan, pushing Sharon Speedway specifically, because again, as a former uh, employee there, as it, you know, being one of my hometown tracks, um, really thought in, it's a great facility overall, if anyone, you know, if you've been to Sharon Speedway, uh, if you live in that Northeast Ohio area or are close enough to drive to it, I would go to it because it, facility wise, it's one of the premier uh, dirt tracks in the country, I would say, but um, just really been pushing to get them on the schedule. Um, And then finally, you know, I wake up to a text uh, yesterday morning, you know, the, you know, the day before we're uh, recording this episode and Steve just says, you know, three letters to me just says SRX. So I I knew, and I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure if it was a driver announcement or a track announcement, but, you know, I fire up the, the Twitters and immediately see Sharon Speedway in Hartford, Ohio, partially owned by, you know, Dave Blaney and the Blaney family, is on the 6th race SRX schedule for 2022 and it's the championship race it's the last race of the schedule at Sharon Speedway in Hartford for July 23rd and I was pumped like the entire day by this um because again I you know like I said no way taking credit for any of this but I would feel like I was part of that Social media, you know, push because there were lots of other fans that were, you know, why not Dave Blaney, you know, he's World of Outlaws champion, you know, NASCAR driver, you know, why doesn't he drive and, you know, they're asking for tracks and you know, there's several other people aside from our accounts, you know, pushing Sharon Speedway. And, again dave does have a history with tony stewart who's one of the you know part owners of the srx series and tony would come and do nascar nights and some other things that sharon you know when tony was running in nascar so there is a little bit of a connection there um so i'm sure that helped out a little bit so sharon speedway july 23rd i think steve's going to be the representing uh, possibly the representing yeah. team blaney uh, person at the race but you also you gotta uh, get yourself some tickets and i'm not sure when those go on sale but i'm sure they might go fast
1: yeah we to see what we can get our hands on, see what I can do to make sure we're there. Um, you know, the other thing about it is when you watch that series last year, they usually had somebody local uh, or somebody associated with the tracks and so forth race. They, you know, they had, they had a certain number of drivers who were there every week, but then they had somebody local and uh, be real interested to see um, if, uh, if we maybe get to see the Buckeye bullet uh, in one of those cars or, uh, or his brother or Dale. In one of those cars, uh, you know, Dale actually works with Tony and works for uh, Tony's uh, all-star circuit of champions. So, uh, you know, Dale could be one of the guys too, Could maybe both, you know.
0: And yeah, there's three Blaney's to pick from here. Um, it is the weekend leading into the Pocono race. So Pocono's there is some, some availability there, but there are three Blaney's to pick from Ryan, uh, Dave and Dale, all that have connections to Sharon Speedway. All who have actually raced there, Ryan's even raced there a little bit uh, in a green flag sprint. I remember when he was younger. So um, put them all, put all three in the car. You know, I, I'm just pushing. So immediately, you know, yesterday morning and all this week I've been pushing, you know, we need to get a Blaney in the car. You know, thank you. I, you know, actually got a lot of traction. I tweeted out this photo of Dave, Dale and, and Ryan saying, okay, thank you. First of all, thank you SRX, Tony Stewart, Ray Evernham, for putting Sharon Speedway on the schedule. Thank you profusely for that. Now make the rest of our dreams come true and put a Blaney behind the wheel. Um, we did see Chase Elliott and Bill Elliott drive against each other at SRX last year, so it could be really cool to see Ryan and Dave again. We're not speaking for them; they could, you know, totally, you know, just be, you know, really happy that they're hosting the the race itself. Mm-hmm. There, um, plenty of other really, uh, you know, amazing local drivers that run at Sharon on the, on the weekly side that could also represent Sharon, uh, in an SRX car. So for no, no, matter who it is, I'm going to be cheering for him one, uh, even if it's just a local driver or if it's Dave himself, Ryan Dale. Um, it's just, i just feel overall, it's just exciting. You know, like I said, being a, a growing up at Sharon Speedway and, you know, all the memories that I have there, just seeing them kind of put on the map. Um, amazing and honestly this just adds if you know go to sharon speedway's website check out their social media take a look at their schedule for 2022 when we're talking about being a premier dirt track in the country from the world of outlaws late models to the all-star circuit of champions to the world of outlaws sprint car series the sharon nationals returning this year this srx series uh this sharon speedway schedule for 2022 is you know I am completely jealous that I don't live in Ohio to be able to go to all those races at such a great facility. So um, I'm sure we'll push out on social media when the tickets are available. Um, My only advice, just, you know, knowing where Sharon's located at and, you know, the the roads that are around there get there as early as you possibly can. Uh, Plus SRX does a lot of cool things. They do like a big driver autograph session. Um, I think they do some q&a stuff and stuff before the races so no matter what you're going to want to get there get to Sharon early on july 23rd just to soak in the entire experience well steve I guess that pretty much sums it up for our first episode back here season two team blaney podcast 2022 what do you think
1: yeah, everybody tell a friend <laughs> but you know we we get to look at some statistics and uh, as the year went last year uh, the podcast really grew listenership grew we've seen that some people are, are are tuning into it and checking it out even during the off season and uh we do this uh, really we do it for fun um, and we really enjoy it. We, we want more people to, to hear it and uh, interact with us, too. You know, Team Blaney is not just a name. It's, you know, it's social media. It's Team Blaney Facebook, Team Blaney on Twitter, Team Blaney on Instagram. Who knows? Maybe will there be a Team Blaney TikTok soon? Who knows? Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> nope, I'm not allowed to dance. There but, have been
0: some interesting Ryan TikToks recently from me. Yeah,
1: so is, there you go. Um, so, you know, that's the thing, interact with us, um, you know, and, and the more we interact and we get together, um, you know, the, the, the I know the Blaney bunch is a fan fan club, um, but they, you don't have to join a fan club to, to, to interact with the uh, fans, uh, other fans of, uh, of Ryan. So, you know, the more you interact with us and more we'll interact with you and, uh, hopefully we'll have a great season. Um, this is just the beginning and it should be a lot of fun.
0: Yeah. As, um, like to say, we're kind of all in this together as fans, you know, through the ups and downs highs and lows wins and losses as a group, I feel like we all kind of stick together and that's kind of why, you know, I forget how long it's been, but you know, it's been seven or eight years now that since I started the team started team Blaney as a whole on, um, on Twitter, and then moved to Facebook and uh, now Instagram and, and various places started this podcast. And, you know, I just want to, you know, grow, you know, interactive, you know, group of fans that can kind of all get, get together on race day, all get together, you know, to, to talk about what happened in the race, just kind of have some fun just kind of get that old as Steve and I would say that old quickest slap feeling that really kind of started when we first became fans of Dave and then have moved on fans of Dale fans of Ryan, and everything out there. So, um, Yeah, just, I know we, we really want to thank you for tuning into this episode of the podcast. If you are listening to the first time we, Steve and I talked a little bit about ourselves, but our very first episode that we ever did, we kind of go in depth on who we are, why we're Blaney fans. You can listen to that back in our archives. Um, If you want to interact with us, you can find team Blaney on Twitter at team Blaney. You can find us on Facebook at team Blaney. We have an Instagram account uh, (laughs) at team Blaney as well Mm -hmm. there on Instagram, you can follow myself and Steve also on Twitter too. um, And we'll share some things as we go. And we're probably going to be getting into uh, this next week, uh, the the team Blaney NASCAR fantasy
1: live league as well, which is just another way to interact with us. Yeah. Subscribe uh, to, to wherever you, you, you download your podcasts, subscribe to the podcast because um, we will put at least one out a week. And who knows, there might be a pop-up episode here or there when we get uh, guests on, uh, if we do any, any kind of things like that again, this year, um, so you're going to want to subscribe. So it just pops right up in your feed whenever it comes up and, uh, and then you'll have it right there. Anytime you want to listen to it.
0: Yeah. Great lineup of guests that we had come on the show last year. Um, obviously, like we said, multiple episodes with Josh Williams, who is Ryan Blaney's spotter in the cup series. Uh, we had an official from Pocono raceway come and talk to us about the races they held there last year. We had Justin Bosch, uh, one of Ryan's hauler drivers from team Penske, come on. Um, there's a specific episode just on Josh Williams, just about him and his story, which is incredible, uh, to hear how he's, you know, kind of grew up in racing, you know, was a little bit of a pro golfer there here and there got into spotting all the way up to, you know, you know, winning races with Ryan. Um, and one of the other interesting episodes too, we had Aaron Blaney from the Ryan Blaney family foundation on, and if you listen to any episodes last year, um, big fans of the Ryan Blaney family foundation. And Steve mentioned it a little bit as well. They have another thing called the Blaney bunch fan club. So you can find out all about the Ryan Blaney family foundation on all their social media accounts. If you search for Ryan Blaney family foundation uh, or the Ryan Blaney family foundation.org website, you can check out everything on there. Um, They have some great partners that they work with, with UPMC sports medicine, and then also the Alzheimer's association so i think that just about wraps it up thank you for tuning into this episode of the team blaney podcast we'll catch you next time when we're going to be doing some season previews some daytona 500 previews and then we're going to go rip roaring into the next uh, 2022 season with an nascar next gen car debuting so lots of exciting stuff coming up make sure you tune in subscribe and we'll catch you next time